We continue this morning our study in the book of Revelation. And as I said, there's nothing that hurries us on, is there? We have to understand the Word of God. We are busy with, I believe, the most prominent things that happens in the world before Jesus Christ comes back. And this morning we talk about the Antichrist. We come in chapter 13. Last week we did in chapter 12. And remember there we saw the, the great fiery red dragon. We saw that last week. And today we're going to see another beast. We talk about the Antichrist. So if you open up in your Bibles in Revelation 13. But I want to talk to you first out of 1 John chapter 2 verse 18. You can also open up there. John is the only, the only one who uses the word Antichrist in the Bible, actually. He uses the word Antichrist five times in four verses that he wrote in the letters. The first, the letters, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he writes this. He says, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we have known that it is the last hour. Who believes that we are living in the last hour? If you don't believe that, then absolutely you're sleeping and you need to be woken up. It is the last hour. If you travel all over this world, all over the globe, every single country, every single news event is telling you and me that it is the last hour. But I do not listen to the news events only. I only have to open up the Bible, the Word of God, and it shows me and teaches me that it is the last hour. I just have to look at the youth of today, and, and I've got no thing against the youth of today. I love them. It's young people. But if I look at the youth today and the descriptions in the Word of God that says how they're going to be in the last days, then we are living in the last times. No respect at all for the older generation. None. This is why I believe we are sitting with a lost generation. And it's not getting better. There is no government on the face of this earth who's going to make it better. No government. No program that your taxpayers' money is going to to improve every single youth in this country is going to help for that. None. No medicine. No pills. Nothing is going to help. It's not only the youth. In fact, some of the youth of yesteryear has now grown up and now we're sitting with immature grown-ups who's got absolutely no respect for society. So don't come to me and say, where do you see that it is the last days or the last hour? It's all over us. It's all around us. Absolutely no respect for God. And like I say this morning, my dear friend, there is nothing, nothing this world can offer that will make it better. They give our young people now pills to change the chemicals in their brains to make them more calm. The only pill that you and I need is the gospel. That's not my saying. I've heard it somewhere and I like it. That's why I use it. We need the gospel. The only, the only thing that will save this world, or let me put it to you this way, which will save the individual souls of this world, the only one is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the acceptance of Him as our Lord and Savior. Without Him, we are poor paupers. You know what a pauper is? We've got nothing. The richest man on this earth, the most influential individual on this earth has got a donut, salts, nothing without Christ. I don't care who he is or who she is. No influence. We are living in the last days and it's amazing that even John wrote this down so many years before we are sitting here in 2017. He wrote it down. He says, little children, you see that? He says, it is the last hour. Not only the last day, it is the last hour. 
And for you and for me, it needs to be a warning. It needs to be a warning that we need to walk with Christ more closely in the last hour. He says, as you've heard, as you've heard this, that the Antichrist is coming. He uses this word in Greek, Antichristos. That's the Greek word, and it means the adversary of the Messiah. The adversary of the Messiah. You and I are worshipping the Messiah this morning. I hope you came into this place to sing worship songs to the Messiah. Have you? We are worshipping Him, but the Antichrist, the Antichristos, is an adversary to the Messiah. There's two meanings of this word anti. The first one is the opposite of. The opposite of the Messiah. Jesus Christ. And the second meaning of that word is instead of. So here is not, I mean, there is such a, a, a description out there where they pictured Satan as this devil with a fork and it's red and he's got this ugly looking face and he's got all these pimples, which is about, I won't go to the much more graphic than that, but everybody sees him as this, as this really ugly creature, which we're going to see that in Revelation 13, but there's two sides of it. You need to understand this. But if he walks into this room, he will be the most beautiful person you see. But he is the opposite of Christ. He is the instead of Christ. That is what Antichrist means. And what we find here in Revelation chapter 30, 12, 13 and 14, in fact 12 and 13, we find the unholy trinity. Who believes in the trinity? God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. That is the Trinity. That is the true Iron God that we worship and serve. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He's the Son. And He came to us and He said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then He said to them later on, He says, I'm going back. He's going back to glory, but He's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Parakletos, to be with us. It is it's God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here now, we find the opposite of that. We find the unholy trinity. We find Satan. And then we find the Antichrist. And then we find the false prophet. You need to understand this. Because Satan in the world is dishing up for you and for everybody in the world the, the unholy trinity. And people will worship him. They will worship him. They are watering down the word of God in churches today to prepare to worship the unholy trinity. Satan, which is equal for him to the Father... And then the Antichrist, which is the instead of the Son, and the false prophet, which is the instead of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So we find here in Revelation those three. It's a demographic for us. It's a description for us of the three. We find Satan as the fiery red dragon in Revelation chapter 12 verse 3. We saw it last week. And he, oh, he would want to represent to you that he is the Father. He wants to take the Father's place. You go back to Isaiah, and when Isaiah describes it, he says, you were on the holy hill, and he wanted to take God's place. And then we find now, we're we going to look today at uh, Revelation chapter 13, from verse 1 to 10, the Antichrist, which is instead of the Son, Jesus Christ. And then we're going to see next week as we're going to look at the false prophet from Revelation chapter 11 to 18. This is critical to understand. Because if you do not understand this and can see this, there's a deceivement coming. And you can be deceived by that. So we see now that he writes again in 1 John chapter 2 verse 22. This is John. He says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Do you know people like that? Who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is 
Listen, the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ is what? He's a liar. But not only that, he is the Antichristos. The opposite, the instead of, he says, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So now, John says these people who do that is what? They are antichrists. Now let's think about a few people who denies the Son. Jehovah Witnesses. They deny the Son. According to John, what are they? They are antichrist. So those poor witnesses, and I call them poor because they are spiritually very poor, who knocks on your door and try to get you into their religion, which it is a religion, it is a false religion, they are antichrist. They operate in the spirit of the antichrist. I feel very sad for them. I feel very sad for them. They offer up their whole lives to do that. And let's think about the other one, who says that Jesus Christ is only a prophet. Who are they? Islam. It's Islam. And today, not according to what I say to you, but according to what John wrote down, Antichristos, they are the Antichrist. And they operate, listen very carefully, in the spirit of the Antichrist. So now I ask you, I ask you with tears in my eyes if I can, why would a Christian then go and sit and try to combine Islam and Christianity? What I ask you then, my friend, is what has got white to do with black? What has darkness got to do with light? There is no gray area in what we give you today. You are either worshipping the Antichrist or you are worshipping the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And then we find, listen to this now, and it might shock you because it comes very close to home. What about the world? What about the people who say that I'm an agnostic? Aren't they denying Jesus Christ? Of course they are. Then I'm telling you, dear friend, that they are operating in the spirit of the Antichrist. Because it's right there. I, I mean, it can't be more clearer than this verse here. He says, he says, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? You go into the world now, on the world stage, and stand up. I, I ask you, I dare you to do that. And stand up then and say, I want to declare today that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is God. And, and see what happens. You will be ridiculed. <coughs> In some countries you will be killed. And the world won't wink a wink because you are killed of that. But you kill an animal and all want to kill you. So this is saying now that humanity is going lower than animals? This is the reality we are living in. This is the world that you and I are living in. It's an anti-Christ world. He says it right there. He says they have already come into the world. It's already there. In fact, if you look at that, he says in this verse, the previous verse in verse 18, he uses it twice. You see that? He says, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, that's singular, that's a man, and we're going to talk about him more in a few moments. But then he says, even now many Antichrists, do you see the S? That's a plural. It's already here. I don't need to look at CNN and MN. I name all these things, but I don't need to see it that to get confirmation. It's right there. But that's not all he goes on to say in 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. And look at this now. He says, Beloved. And now he's talking to you and me. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Oh, so many pastors hate this verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't. <laughs> I don't hate this verse. 
They don't like it. Let me say they don't like this verse. Let's not use the word hate. Because it says, test every spirit. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and now already in the world. Are we in the last times, friends? Has he already come? The spirit of Antichrist is here. Again I say, if you do not believe within the last hour or the last days, you are sleeping sound. And we need to put an alarm clock next to you to wake up before the coffee gets cold. He says, do not believe. You see that phrase there? This is an interesting phrase he uses because this is a present command. Think of the word believe. If I say to you believe, what does it mean? It doesn't mean yesterday. We believed yesterday for today. Believe is a present command. If I say to you believe, I want you to believe today and tomorrow we have what? We have hope. Are you with me now? We believe today for hope. Hope is in the future. So if this is a present command, it's got a negative support. What do, I, what do you mean? What do you mean, Pastor? Let me show you. He says, believe, that's the present command. But then he says, do not. That is a negative support. So what is he trying to say to us here, John? He's saying to us, this means to stop an act that is already in progress. This is not something that's going to start next week. He says, stop this act that is in progress. That you believe every spirit. And this is what happens in your day. Christians today accept strong personalities. And they follow strong personalities. You get all of these super pastors. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, pastor so and so, you know. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing when you talk to these people. If you talk to them. They quote to you what the pastor says. Never what the word says. Oh, did you hear what he said? He said this, and they quote them, and they quote this, and, and Benny Hinn said this, and, and Joyce Meyer said that, and, and this person, Rick, Rick Warren said this, and Rick Joyner said that. It's always what they say, what they say. And I say, what does the word say? If, if you follow what the words say, you might find what they say is false. You see, the world is operating in the spirit of the Antichrist. This is an act that's already in progress. This is the warning back in John's day. It's the warning which is sounding much more alarming in our day. He says, he says that we need to not believe every spirit because Christians accept these strong personalities. The stronger personality it is, the more following they get. What did Jesus say? We need to meek, be meek. John, the same John who writes this down, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. Paul, you know what his name was? Saul of Tarsus. And you know what Saul of Tarsus means? Expected one. That, that name was given because the Old Testament Saul was a king. And when Saul of Tarsus got his name, it was much expected from him. And look, he lived up to his parents' expectancy. He went to the university. He went and he sat under Gamaliel. He sat and he excelled in everything. He himself says that. But when he met Jesus, what did he do? He changed his name to what? To Paul. You know what Paul means? Little one. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Yet here in this world we are living now, Christians accept these strong personalities. Not only that, it is the logical arguments. And it is uh, the miraculous events and they believe it's all from God. And he warns us here, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test them. You see, 
The word spirit here is fnuna, and it means it's a vital part which the body is animated in. And this is critical to understand before we go into Revelation chapter 13. Because in Revelation chapter 13 we see behind the scenes. But on the earth, these people will see a man. And he will be a strong personality. And he will do miraculous powers. And he will have logical arguments. This man that's coming onto the scene. And the world will fall down before him. But you and I today have a glimpse behind the scenes. We have a glimpse into the spirit side of this. And this is why that word spirit, and I've put it in red there, so that you all can see this as an alarm coming up. Do you know what happens when your oil runs low in your car? Come on, John, you know cars very well. They say... Red light that comes up on your dashboard. You know what some people do? They take a sticky tape and they put it over there. <laughs> Is that what we're supposed to do? Oscar, you're an engineer. What will happen? You know? <laughs> if you know, there I'm driving and this red light comes up and I go, hey Leonie, give me give me a plaster there. Put it over there. Cat, now I can't see it. And then we can continue driving on. What will happen? Even I, who's not an who's not a mechanic, knows that somewhere. The engine will cease. The car's going to stop. There's these red lights coming up to warn us. This is one. This is one of those red lights. But you know what the churches wants to do these days? They put a sticky tape over it so that you don't see it. But I'm ripping it off this morning. Shout hallelujah. Come on. I'm ripping it off. Amen. <laughs> Let's rip it off and see it for what it is. He says, test every spirit. What do we need to test them? Whether they are of God. I said it when I started preaching here. You need to test my spirit when I'm preaching this. Whether it's from God. Because with inside of me there's a spirit. And you know what? Inside of you there's a spirit. And people has got agendas. Wow. I didn't know that. Of course. Every poor person has got an agenda. And what is the agenda of the preacher? Oh, we're talking specifically about them here. What is the agenda? Some will come out and just preach false, false teachings to people and they gobble it up. Ah, oh, because he's got a strong personality. Wow! And others come because they want to be shy seen. They're just that. What is the agenda? This is what he warns us about. Because many false prophets have gone into the world... By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's not the only one. Let's quickly have a look at 2 John chapter 1 verse 7. He says, for many deceivers. Now he uses another word with the word Antichrist. He says, for many deceivers has gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist, an antichristos, an opposite of and instead of Christ. But you know what I find fascinating? I love the Greek language, man. It's got so much meaning behind it. Because if you look at that word there, many deceivers, that is where we get our Greek word planked from. And you know what that word means? It means planet. Planet. You go, what is that? Let me explain to you. That means wanderer. The word planet there. Plank. And you know where this is coming from? In the ancient world, the stargazers looked at, at the stars of the heaven. And they mapped them. The zodiac. Back in, in those days. And they could sit there and every night they look into the stars. And they would put stars there onto their map. And tomorrow night they come and they look at their map. And they can map all of those stars, every single one, specifically where they've mapped them out. But then, listen very carefully. But then they found stars that moved. Back in the day they didn't realize they were planets that moved. And they would sit there and they would have their map of stars which they've mapped out and they would look up into the sky and go, wait a minute, that one is out of line. So it wandered out of, out of the pattern that they had. And this is the word he uses here. He uses this word, he says, for many deceivers, many plank, 
Many wanderers. Why does he use that? Because, friends, these people, it is not. It is not as if they say they are sincerely wrong. Have you heard that phrase? You know, some people come out and say, oh, but I was just sincerely wrong. No, no, no. These deceivers aren't sincerely wrong. They, they are not misled. No, no. They wandered willfully from the truth. This is what he's trying to tell you and me. In fact, I haven't got the scripture verse there, but if you read, read further on, he goes on by big means to say that they were not from us. They were with us, but then what happened? They wandered from us. They went out from us. So this is not sincerely wrong. This is not just a small mistake. This is a planned event. And I, I'm not surprised by that because, because even in his day and in our day, they were operating in whose spirit? The spirit of the Antichristos. Operating in the spirit of the Antichrist. And look, it's not only back in his days. When did this start? It goes right back to Genesis. When the Antichristos came into the Garden of Eden, and what did he do? He made Adam and Eve to wander away from the truth with lies. That is why he's called the father of lies. But look, that's not only where it started. Where did it start? Before the Garden of Eden. Before the Garden of Eden. Because Lucifer, as you know by now, was part of God's creation. He was part of that. And then he says, until, listen to this, until was found inside of you iniquity. So what did he do? He wandered away from the truth of God. So this is no accident. This is no small mistake. So when you come across these preachers of the falsities, and look, the church is rife of them. There are so many of them. And, and, and look, I have actually stopped now preaching and warning against them because I believe it's your task to test every spirit. It's not my task to come here every Sunday and give you all of these names, although I can. I can give you a lot of names. And I can give you names that will make you mad at me. And, they, and over the years, people have got mad at me. And you know what? I don't care. Because John says there are many antichrists. The fact of the matter is whether you want to listen to God or not. That is the true matter. But there are many. In churches today, in many churches, let, let me put it, in many churches today, the message of the antichrist is preached. And people don't even realize that. They sit and sleep in the churches. This is so true for many deceivers as wandered away from the truth. But we will not wander away from the truth, will we? We will stay on the Word of God. You know there's a scripture verse in Proverbs which says like iron sharpens iron. It is meant that we come together and we share scripture verses. Like Andre came this morning, he shared a scripture verse to me, which I really appreciate. Look, friends, this is not my gospel. It's the Lord's gospel. That is true, and we need to hold on to that. This is critical to understand this. Now, we're going to look in Revelation chapter 13 at the Antichrist, and we're going to see it from behind the scenes. What you're seeing now, most of the world will not see. Because they are not interested. Oh, they are interested in movies. Like the omen. Like the apocalypse. And you know what? They romanticize this man of sin that's going to come in. They romanticize the little horn which is talked in, in the book of Daniel. And they make movies. And you know what they do? They make millions of dollars out of, out of Christians' pockets. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we see this morning the other side of that. So let's get into that. He says, Revelation chapter 13 verse 1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the, of, of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet was like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave 
him his power and his throne and great authority. Now, if this beast appear on the scene as the Antichrist, as you've seen him now, because no doubt everyone in this place in their mind has got a mental picture of how this will look. If he appears like that on CNN, will the world follow him? Will they fall down and worship him? No, they'll run for the mountains. This is a terrible beast. If you see this, it will keep you awake with nightmares by night. So this is why I say, we're seeing it from this side. This is why those previous verses I wanted to start with, John talking about the Antichrist. We're seeing it on the spiritual side. We see the spirit now. But the world, while you read this, the world, a man will come out, a strong personality, will have logical arguments, and he's going to do miraculous powers. That's what the world will see. Don't be deceived around this. But you and I see the real, real backside of this now. The word there, then I, in some translations, in fact it says then he, which is the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. Because if you go back to chapter 12, he talks about the dragon at the end of that who's going to try to, to wipe out this woman with a child. You remember when he says like a flood came to her, he came with all of his might and power down on her and the earth opened up and he gobbled up, he took up the flood, the, the protection of God. Then he stood on the sand, it is as if he's the master uh, uh, piece who pulls out these beasts. So he says that he stood on the sand of the sea and then he says, I saw this beast coming out. And this beast looks the same than the dragon, have you noticed, of chapter 12. But don't be deceived because this is a man. Now there's two ways of thinking about it. There's two trains of thought in the world out there. Some say it's a man and some say it's a kingdom. It's a nation that's going to rise. And I'll address that in a minute. But just look at this now. When Jesus Christ was amongst the people, and they said to him, show us the Father, what did he say? He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And listen, all along, Satan is a copycat. He's a copycat. He's not the real thing. He's like the Nike's shoes you buy in Vietnam and in Bali, okay? Who knows, that's a copycat. It's not the real thing. Sorry to, to spoil it for those who think they've got the real thing. It's got the Nike tick. But it's not the authentic Nike tick. Or the, or, or the ones who buy those expensive watches there for $60 and they walk around there and people think, Whoa, that's a $40,000 watch. But if you look closer, it's, it's a fake. So Satan is the fake, he's the copycat, remember. And here it's the same thing. It is as if this man will come out and it looks the same. Look there in Revelation chapter 12 verse 3. It says, And another sign appeared in heaven behold the great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Interesting, when he stands on the sea, this beast is risen from the sea. From the sea. He says it right there. This is a picture of the Gentile nations. It's a picture of that. I've, I've got many scriptures, but for time's sake, I'll give you this one. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 20. He says, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. Think of that for a moment. That is so true, isn't it? Have you seen a troubled sea? Come on, what is a troubled sea? It is troubled. What is the opposite of troubled? At rest, peace, calm. The child of God is supposed to be at rest, peace, and calm. But not so the world. It's like a troubled sea. It pulls here and it pushes there. It shouts there and whispers here. It's all over the place. So this is a picture thereof. The nations, the Gentile nations, the wicked are like a troubled sea, it says. When it cannot rest... Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Isn't that what a wicked world does? Cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says the God, for the wicked. Man, I can preach a sermon on that starting right now. There is no peace for the wicked. 
You know what they do? They go to the doctors and they ask a little pill for peace. Or they run to the bottle and drink themselves until they pass out for peace. And then they wake up with a headache. <laughs> and it's worse than the day before. Or they grab that little joint and go into ice and all of these kind of things for peace. Mankind, when he was born, is looking for peace. That's what that gap is there. So, what he's saying here in Revelation 13 is that this Antichrist, this that it will come out of the world, come out of the gentle nations, out of the sea, he says he will come out. Now, like I say, some say it's a man and some say it's a nation. I believe it's both. I believe it's both. Because in verse 2 it explains it to us. He says it there for us. This, this beast that's coming out is like a leopard. His feet like the feet of a bear and his mouth like a mouth of a lion. That is an angry looking beast. Isn't it? Again friends, we need to understand the Old Testament to understand this picture here. Because we find exactly the same beast in Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to spend some time there. So let's quickly open up there. In your Bible, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 7. <clears throat> You've got to read Revelation chapter 12, 13, and 14 with Daniel chapter 7. And I'm going to leave this for you up there so that you can compare continually while we go through this. So we want to start in verse 1. Daniel chapter 7 verse 1. If you are there, say Amen. amen. If you are not there, say not Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel chapter 7 verse 1, he says, In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and a vision of the head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. The main facts. So this tells me that there were much more that he dreamt, but he only gave us the main things. Now this is really interesting if you follow this now. He says in verse 2, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, behold the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So what do you and I now know is the great sea? Nations. The Gentile nations. There's four winds stirring up this great sea, it calls it there. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from one another. Four great beasts came out of this great sea. Now to identify this, quickly flick over, keep your place here to verse 17. I'm just doing a little bit of fast, uh, fast forward Bible study here. So to identify those four great beasts, it says it in verse 17, Daniel 7, 17. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. A king is a king of a kingdom, of an of, of a, a empire. Okay, so flick back to verse 2. He says it there in verse 3, And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from another. Four kingdoms. Four kings. Verse 4. He says, The first was like a lion, and had eagle wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth, and was made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. This refers to Babylon. Look at it. It talks about a lion, which is the king of the, the jungle. Majestic. Powerful. And he talks about an eagle. He's the king of the, the birds. Again, swift. And the Babylonian kingdom was strong and it was swift. Who was the king? Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Babylonian kingdom. And they ruled the world. The first kingdom that came in and ruled, they ruled everything. But then he says, he was made humbled. How? Because I watched till its wings were plucked off. Isn't that right? It was plucked from him. And it was lifted from the earth and made to stand on its two feet. He was made humble. Keep your finger there. Turn back. We're doing a little bit of Daniel work here. Go to chapter 4. I'll show this for you. Chapter 4 tells us the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. This 
this lion and the eagle, the king of Babylon. Look at verse 30. You see, there's a lesson for us right now in this. Pride comes before a fall. Look at verse 30. I'm, I'm cutting out a lot. I'm, I'm just parachuting into this. And you can go and read this for context if you want to this afternoon. He says in verse 30, The king spoke, this is Nebuchadnezzar, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Isn't that pride? He walks around there and he goes, Ooh, look at this. Isn't this what I have built? For my might and my majesty, poor man, doesn't he realize? Doesn't he realize at night when he look up into the stars? Doesn't he realize by day when he sees the sun that there's one mightier than him? Doesn't he realize that? You see, but we point finger at him. I'm talking about a lot of people walking on the earth today who's like this. Oh, look at this world that I've built. Look at my possessions. Look at my status. Look at where I am in life. Yes, have you heard that? Isn't that a type of Nebuchadnezzar? Hasn't pride gone into man's heart these days? Wasn't man born with pride? This is him. See what happens now. I find this fascinating. Verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, while, 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 while the word was still in his mouth, what happens? A voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. Watch out, friend. Don't become bright and boastful. Here is a lesson for you. Look down at verse 33. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like an ox. His body was, was wet with dew of the heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like birds. This is a king. He's living like a pauper. He's living like an animal. You know what I see in the world today? I see people living like animals. Let it be a warning. Now flick back to Daniel chapter 7. Can you see now the picture? He says this man, his wings were plucked out of it and he was walked like a man. And look at the, the last part of verse 4. And a man's heart was given to it. And then, just for time's sake, Belshazzar took over from Nebuchadnezzar because he's now like an animal. And, and there's a famous passage, just, just the, previous, the next chapter, uh, it says that he was sitting and having a banquet and they brought out the, the, the cups and things of, of, of Israel and they started having feasts with them and a hand appeared on, on the wall. You remember this? It wrote what? Mieni, mieni, tekel, ufarsen. What did it mean? It means that your kingdom was weighted and you were found lightly. And that very night, while he was having his banquet, underneath the walls, they were so mighty and powerful, the Babylonians, but underneath the walls, the soldiers in the rivers came into the city, and the, the Medes and the Persians came into the scene, and they overthrew the very same night that kingdom. But we read about it in the next verse. Look at verse 3, uh, verse 5. And suddenly another second beast like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said to it, Arise, devour much flesh. So the first one was a lion and an eagle. The second one was a bear. And a bear is not as swift and is not as powerful as, uh, uh, as fast as a lion. But it is, it, is, it is slow and much stronger and much more vicious. If a bear hits you with his claw, what happens? You're dead. This is how this nation was. It was like a bear, much slow, and he took over. And then, just for time's sake, let's go to the third beast. In verse 6, he says, he says, in fact, let me just say, those three rips in his mouth. It says there, raise up on sight and had three rips. 
Before the Medes and the Persians took down Babylon, they took down three other kingdoms. They took down Babylon, they took down Egypt, and they took down Lydia. Those are the three ribs which is already there. So it shows this majestic kingdom coming into power. And who remembers when Cyrus came in? Cyrus rode in, in there. He, he was one of the leaders. And when he came in, uh, uh, there was already a letter written to Cyrus. Remember that? Look, they, this is fantastic in the Word of God. But let's hurry on. Look at verse 6. And after this, I looked and there was another like a leopard which had on his back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now, after the Medes and the Persians, in came Alexander the Great. Who remembers him? The Greeks. He came in. And he was much more swift than any other empire. In fact, by the age of 28, he conquered the whole world. There was nothing more for him to conquer. And it says that it was broken after his death, actually. It was it at four heads. And we see that the, that the empire was divided into four parts. One part was given to Cassander. One of, the emperor, uh, one of the leaders was given to him. The second one to Lysimachus. The third one was given to Seleucius and Ptolemy. Look, friends, what I'm telling you now is in the history books. It's not only in the Bible. You can go and read all of these names in the history books and you'll find what is here is true. He had a dream about these things. You say, where are you going with this? Those are three. But then he talks about a much more mightier beast. Look at this now in verse 7. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terribly, exceedingly strong, it had huge iron teeth, it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with his feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up from amongst them, before whom three of its horns were, were plucked out by the roots. And there is in this horn were eyes like eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. So what am I saying here? If we look at the beast of Revelation 13, it is the same. He talks about kingdoms. We had the fiery red dragon. He had seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems. We had the beast in Revelation 13. Seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns. And he had a blasphemous name. Now comes in, and, and, and I believe it is the, the Roman Empire, the revised Roman Empire is going to come up again. There's an empire coming, a strong, mighty empire. But there's going to be a man leading them. It's going to be the Antichrist. There's going to be a world power. It's not America, by the way. It's not Britain. This is a revised. You remember the, the dream of, of, of uh, Daniel when he had the statue? What was the, the feet? It was ten toes of iron and clay. Here we have ten horns. Horn is power. Horn is ten, it's ten uh, kings or ten powerful men that's going to come on the scene. But then we see in, in, in Daniel that three of them is going to be removed and this little horn is going to come up. That's the Antichrist. And we find here in Daniel 7 that iron teeth, ten horns, but then three was plucked out. So it's seven horns because the one little horn that came out had a mouth speaking pompous words, same as Revelation chapter 13, blasphemous name. So this is an empire that's going to rise in our day. And he's going to have the Antichrist coming onto the scene. Let's move on to verse 3. Is that interesting? Friends, it's happening. The Antichrist, the spirit is already in the world. Verse 3 says, And I saw one of his heads, as if it has been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Remember what I said, he's a copycat. He's going to try to do every single thing that God did. Remember we saw that Satan wants to be the father. And here we find the same thing happening. He is trying to copycat the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
We find this in Luke at Revelation chapter 13 verse 12. He says, and he exercised all authority. This is about the false prophet. We'll see it next week of the first beast and his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in to worship the first beast. But listen to this. Whose deadly wound was healed. This man will come on the scene and most probably they're going to try to kill him with, with a knife or with a sword. And he's going to have a deadly wound and the whole CNN and BBC and everybody's going to, and, and you know, I can see people standing with their little cat and having prayer vigils for this this powerful man who might be in hospital or he might be at a house or in, in a building somewhere and everybody prays because he's been attacked and he can die verse 14 says to make an image they're going to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived you see that he's copycatting Jesus Christ he's the antichrist so what happened to Jesus he died on the cross went to the grave, was risen. He's coming to the sea now as this Christ. And this is going to play out in front of our eyes. It's a miracle. Can you imagine people standing there with tears and they have their little candles and vigils and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the news broke. He's alive. Miraculously, he's alive. Can you see how this changed into a, a massive wow and, and now it's jubilation and it's feast and it's happiness all over the place. That is what's supposed to happen when Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But you see Jesus himself said another will come. You won't accept me, he said, but another you will accept. He'll come in his own name. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 he says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders and all unrighteous deception amongst those who perish because they do not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved friend and the church listen not the whole church but parts of the church are getting ready for these signs and wonders they are getting ready for this you, you go now and you, you, you go on YouTube and you see how many people say how many people has been risen from the dead and it's all because they want numbers on their seats so that they can take tenth of your money and they can get rich let's say it as it is signs and wonders ooh in our church there was an angel and then they get feathers feathers angel feathers and ooh, some churches, ooh, all of a sudden, there's oil coming out of their hands. Oh, oil, oil coming out of their hands. Look, if there's oil coming out of your hands, you better go and see the doctor. <laughs> because then something is wrong. There's nowhere in the Word of God which says that there will be coming oil out of your hands. And what about the gold dust? It amazes me, friends. Let me just get this out, okay? It amazes me. There's so much gold dust falling in churches. Where is it? Why don't they go and sell it and give, give food to the poor in the world? Where is it? And gold tooth. <laughs> if you've got a boulder in your mouth, come out here. Let me lay hands on you. You'll have a gold boulder tomorrow. But the world is getting ready for that. The churches are now after miracles, miracles, miracles and, and, and signs. And, and here, here, Paul says to the Thessalonians that the lawless one comes, it's according to the working of Satan. The working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. This is not going to be different. This man is going to be dying. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, he's going to be revived. And you know what? The world's going to eat it, gobble it up like pudding. Wow! But not the children of God. Not even in our day. This is what is coming. Let's continue on. He says it in verse 4. So they worship the dragon. See this? Careful. They worship the dragon. Who's that? Jesus says, you know, if we worship Jesus, we come to the Father through Jesus, isn't it? We worship the Father through Jesus. We worship Jesus. But we, and here is the same thing. They worship the dragon. Remember, this is Satan himself. He is the opposite, or he's the copycat of the Father, who gave authority to the beast. This 
Poor man, and I shouldn't say poor man, because we said he's a deceiver, he's willfully, he's, he's not sincerely wrong. He chose to be that agent for Satan, okay? And he says it here, they worship him who gave power, this is the dragon, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Oh man, I've read the book of Revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah, I know who can make war with him. Have you read chapter 17, chapter Chapter 19. Have you? Oh, look, it's just right there, friends. It just says it right there. I, I can say it out of my head, but you don't have to go there. Let me quickly flick it open. It says there in, in, in 19 that uh, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on me is called faithful, true, righteous, judges, and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. Oh, if they could only, if they could only cut that out and go back into this time and give it to them, they will have the fright of their lives. Amen. If they know that my Lord Jesus Christ himself is coming back and they won't be singing this who can make war against him this powerful man and this five and he said and he was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies and he was given authority to continue 42 months three and a half years the Antichrist if he could only, if he could only read back what we've read in Daniel and see what Nebuchadnezzar did when he walked around. He was made like an animal, this mighty king. Verse 6 says, then he opened his mouth with blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. As if he could touch them. He couldn't. Blaspheme against God. That is happening this day. There's people blaspheming against God. Some of the things I hear preached from pulpits is a blaspheme against God. But this is going to be more worse. See against his tabernacle. You remember at one stage a reed was given to John to measure what? The tabernacle. To measure that. The protection. He can only blaspheme it. He couldn't touch those things. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. Listen to this now. And to overcome them. And authority was given him on every tribe, tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Whose names have not been written in the book of life. And the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This happened before. This happened before the whole world will worship him. You remember back when we looked through the cities, the seven churches, and they had to go and, and when Caesars were there and the Caesars made themselves gods? You remember when they had to go up to these temples and people had to bow the knee and shout, Caesar is God! You remember that? It happened. They asked that of Polycarp. They said, Polycarp, you better come in and say Caesar is God. He said, I won't. We're going to kill you. I won't. We're going to take all your possessions away, your farm, everything. I won't. We're going to take your, your family. I won't. Take him in there in front of everybody and say, Polycarp, you're an old man, 85 years old. We don't want to kill you. He says, just, just say it. Just say, you know, Caesar is God. I won't. I won't for 85 years. My God sustained me, will even sustain me in death. He didn't say those words. That's what I say, what was in his heart. Because he died on the stake, he burned. He couldn't even burn that to gush him so that he could burn. I won't. I will say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. You should shout hallelujah with that. These people should shout that. No, no. But the whole world is coming to a point where they'll bow the knee and they'll say, Antichrist is God, whatever his name. Antichrist is God. Antichrist is God. To their folly they'll say that. Everyone who dwells on the earth will worship him. But look at this. He says that he will make war against the Savior. You see, there's people who say it's the church. And now you find a lot of people preaching that we need to have a militant church. Oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go marching with our weapons and everything. God didn't call us to do that. No, no, no. The saints were called to do what? To preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. Now, I don't believe that's the church. Because nowhere in the Bible is the church referred to saints. Yes, the saints are in the church. You and I are saints, according to the word. Wow. 
You never called me a saint, have you? <laughs> it's not Simon Templar, you know, that saying, no, no. It's not saying this and this and that, but the Bible, I'm afraid, it says here that they can make war against us. I believe these are the ones who get saved after the tribulation, uh, after the rapture. Because again, I come back to the point. You know, how can people, even the Jews, if those 144 go out and preach the gospel, how can they do it without the Holy Spirit? But here he says, and, and then again, you know, if, if you think about this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when Jesus himself says to Peter, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Here, in Revelation, he says, and he overcame them. Now, if it says that he overcame them, it's not that he changed their beliefs, but he overcame them by killing them now if you think let me just say to you right now that ISIS taking over and killing masses of people is bad this is going to be worse bow the knee bow the knee and say Antichrist is God I won't I won't do it bow the knee off of his head kill him kill her that's what's going to happen they will be overcome they will be killed so, we see in verse 9, it says, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Where is the patience and the faith of the saints? Now, this is a warning. It is between, because after this now, we're going to see the third beast of the land, the false prophet. We'll talk about that next week. But now, it is as if this verse is put right in between there as a warning. It is a warning. He says, if anyone who has an ear, let him hear. What is the warning? He says, he who leads captivity shall go into captivity, and who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. What does he mean by that? Friends, this warning is for those who help the beast. This is the warning for those who's going to kill in the name of the beast. If you take people captive, you will be taken captive. In fact, they are already taken captive by Lucifer in that spirit of the Antichrist. But if they kill, they will be killed. This is a warning direct for that. And here is the patience of the saints. The ones who live, and they will be survivors. It's not all of them is going to be killed. They will be survivors that's coming out of that. So there we have the Antichrist. Have you seen the, the other side of him? The side that the world won't see. I want to finish with this verse this morning. John chapter 5 verse 40. Because this is so, so true. And it's, it is a warning again for us. He says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. This is Jesus' words. And it is so, so befitting for our day he says listen to this you are not willing to come to me that you have life where is the life it's with him it's with him but can you imagine that these people will not come to him he's got all of this life he wants to give people that he loves but they will not come. You know that phrase that says, my eyes were sore looking out for you? I was looking so much for you that it, it really hurts me. That's how I feel in a human sense about this. But he says, you are not willing. You're not willing to come to me that you may have life. In fact, there's a verse, let, let, let me just read this to you, because this is important. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. I want to I read this verse. It just came up in my mind, and just bear with me as I, as I find it. You see, people want life this day. They want to live a good life, but a good life is only to be lived with Christ. Let me say it. Let me say it as clear as I can. There is no life to lie, uh, no life to live without Christ. Listen to this. 
Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. This verse in John chapter 5 verse 40 sounds to me like a, Come now, let us reason together verse. And what do we need to reason here? The only reason here from Christ is, Come to me so that I can give you life. And he says it there, Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But this is the verse that really caught my mind. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, but people aren't. Then he says in verse 41, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. That is a terrible saying. And then he says in verse 43, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. You just don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And who is that him? It is the Antichrist. <laughs> He's going to come. And if the people of this world haven't made up their mind, if they are not willing and obedient to come to Christ that they may have life, they will follow the Antichrist. So gone with those who say, I'll take my chances. I want to live my life now the way that I want to live it. So that when hardship comes, that's when I'll make my decision. You are but a mere deceived person. And you know what? You are following the father of lies. Let it be not said of anyone in this room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so wonderful, Lord. You're a mighty God. And Father, as I read these verses, Lord, I feel, Lord, I feel the weight on my heart that there is a world out there who do not understand these things. <coughs> Father, they are living every day as if the next day is secure and is a given, but it's not. Father, I pray in this morning for loved ones that we know in this place. I pray for them, Lord. But Father, we don't sit here this morning like Nebuchadnezzar, pride and boastful. For I know for sure this morning, Lord, that I am saved by grace. And what an amazing grace that was and is. So Father, as, this, as we read and as we learn more about the Antichrist coming onto the scene, help us, Lord, to prepare to have an answer ready as it's written in Peter for those who choir of us the reason and the answers. I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you again for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your word is so perfect, clear, that even children can understand it. And the most clever person can be humbled by it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.